0: Had some dim candlelight going on, and you know, Coop. I agree. This is going to be a really good show. I can tell yes. you definitively that that is true.
1: Yes, yes, it is. And I'm just going to gloss right over that whole bowl of warm milk thing you just said. But <laughs> damn it, man! Now I have to ask: Do you sip it or do you lap it? Oh well,
0: I'm glad you're bringing attention to this. Uh, <laughs> but the truth—if you want the truth—which you know I I'm want the
1: truth. Guy. Yeah, I use a straw. I actually use a oh, straw. hell yeah, dude, proper. Yeah, yeah. Now, now is that a, a straight straw or one of those fucking weird, oh, weird curly no, no, things? No.
0: You you know it's one of those nicely curled ones. I mean, I'm talking four or five. Let me look at this thing here. Okay, four, or f- yeah,
1: five super radical loops. I mean, you know, nothing Sick. too crazy, but yeah, it's oh, loopy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's loopy. Good call, man. Good call. Those are pretty cool, man. Uh, I haven't seen one since like sixth grade, man. Well, the so cool the cool thing about it is it's metal, which
0: is fantastic. Really? I mean, the whole Metal. fucking thing, it's, it's got to be about three foot, three foot here, so I, just, <laughs> I could just lay here and, uh, you know, I can do my nightly market readings in pure silence, crunching the numbers, doing it all wrong, of course, but I could also, I could just sip from the side. Yeah. It's like no big thing. Cool. Right on, brother. Yeah. But, you know, we really have a good show today, though. Like, I'm super excited for this. I am too, man. So why don't we just go for it? You know what? Let's F and do it, man, bro. Man, bro. What is that? Take me to the
1: mangroves, man,
0: Take bro. Take me to the mangroves, man, bro.
1: Chickens, <laughs> chickens, chickens,
0: chickens. Stick me wha- to wha- wha- the mangroves, man, wha- 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 bro. Dude, 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 dude. Great song. Do, <laughs> <laughs> Take me to the mangroves, man, bro. It was like almost like a reggae. It was reggae. Yeah, it was like,
1: Take me to the mangroves, man, bro. Exactly. And then, like, Take me. Uh, God, but what? There were other lyrics. I can't, yeah. I can't Dick remember, me, though. Dick me. Can't remember anything
0: else. That's it. Yeah, that's crazy. Hilarious. That's a great song, though. Oh, yeah. Great dude. song. We need to get that going. One of our best. Going.
1: One of our best. Hey, yo, Scrozy, dude. Let me ask you a question, Scroze. Scrozy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, Scroze. Is that what we're doing
0: now? Scrozy, huh? <laughs> Martin Scrozy.
1: <laughs> Orange Grosese, yes, dude. Uh, what do you think about the old Greyhound bus company? Oh, the old Greyhound.
0: Uh, You know, <clears throat> I don't think about them much because...
1: You don't have like a personal emotional contact or an emotional connection with uh, the Greyhound company? Uh, not really. I mean, I have taken Greyhound buses.
0: And, you know, I have found in my experience that Everybody's just normal people. You know, everyone makes, you know, a lot of commentary about what people are like on the Greyhound. And I've only ever been on the Greyhound with other people like me. I can tell you that. Although I will say, I did get left once at a rest stop by one. And I swear to God, dude, I wasn't even in the restroom. (laughs) Tell me, the listener, if you can relate to this. But in the restroom, before I know it, I hear. I'm like, what the. Run out, bus gone. Nowhere to be seen. Damn. Have to call the company, be like, hey, man, my bus just left me. What do I do? And they told me to sit tight. It all worked out. Another bus came along an hour later, and I got to my destination and grabbed all my shit. But still, I was like, come on, dude. I wasn't even in there for hardly any time at all. But yeah, that's kind of my one Greyhound story that I got.
1: That's a fucking bummer. I'm just glad I got
0: all my stuff back. But ever since then? never taken it again ever since then then that's a true that's a true story
1: yeah all right you made it from point A to point B I I yeah I mean I, I like the Greyhound it's good It's a good um, system to have when I was taking a bus from Albuquerque to Seattle, that was a bit horrid. Now, when you say you were with a bunch of other people that were like you, I mean that was partly, that was about half true for me. (laughs) I was with a bunch of bunch of crazy people, and I had so many stops, so many layovers, yeah, so many layovers. Oh man, Vegas stop was just ridiculous. At one point, we stopped to do something like take pisses and shits, whatever. And we totally left somebody. Like we totally left. <laughs> it this was woman me, dude. Behind. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, you were dressed up in a dress, long hair, long luscious red <laughs> locks. Jokes, jokes. No, it was it was a woman. Um, we still had her suitcase too on the bus, but the lady definitely was still outside. Like you could see her. <laughs> the bus driver took off. Everyone's like, "Stop! He's right there!" But the bus driver just went, dude. He just was like, "Don't care." She should have been on the bus. Whoa. I'm out. Go. Yeah. Yeah, dude that's
0: crazy yeah. like, she was yeah, running like no everyone's like she's Peace. right there
1: yeah it was crazy Woo. man. but we made it um yeah we made it up there it was like almost four days it was horrible horrible oh and initially my bus is like three hours late to even start so i was sitting in the fucking bus station in albuquerque like what the fuck do i do here yeah. Yeah. And they gave us like a $5 coupon for a meal at, at any stop. Like you, know, you can't buy anything for $5. Usually the way I found it too
0: is you're in the, it's like the middle of the night. So like nothing's open anyways, you know? Yeah. You're like, what, what am I going to use this? Like in a day I'm hungry now,
1: but especially in a lot of these stops, there's like nothing around you at all. Exactly, And you know, and like you're saying, if there is a building, it's most likely closed. And they're like shady locations where a lot of violent shit happens, man. Yeah. But this is it's pretty nuts, man. I feel but you. Hey, dog. Let me ask you a question though. Do you, do you, uh, do you know how many other bus lines there are? Like, there's Greyhound, oh, right? Oh shit! And what else? You know, honestly, you no,
0: I've never given it any. Th- I have no
1: idea, dude. Like, seriously, I have no idea. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't either. It was like Greyhound and Bull well, Greyhound, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like there can't only be one grey like one bus line though, right? So apparently there are many other bus lines that operate within the United States. Over one hundred actually. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like I said, I was only familiar with Greyhound.
0: Well, hey, like where I'm from, that's kind of the only one that I ever see.
1: That's, so I just yeah, never even yeah. gave it any thought to be honest. No, man. I can't even think of any commercials or anything for other bus lines. Because Gre- yeah, you remember Greyhound commercials, Uh, right? You remember those commercials? I don't. It'd be the dog, the Greyhound dog running, and it'd be a bus, and people are all happy. Okay, always happy okay.
0: people. Yeah, I don't think I ever yeah, saw that. Yeah, they were the
1: night. 90- you remember the 90s? Yeah. It was the 90s, a lot, a lot of those
0: commercials. Damn. You must um, have been watching uh, different channels. You know, <laughs> well,
1: definitely. I was not watching Nickelodeon. <laughs> I was watching. That's your loss, dude. I was not watching. <laughs> I was loss. not watching Power Rangers. Oh, man! And Barney. I was
0: watching. Go go Power Rangers!
1: Jesus, man! I was watching like Matlock and, and fucking... <laughs> yeah,
0: Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Yeah, black yep. and white.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I believe it. I believe it. Uh, hey, did you know that one of the Power Rangers, one of those guys, I think it was the black one, the black suited one, um, he got arrested for murder, dude. It was like a crazy murder scheme that he got busted
0: for. Bro, I'm not surprised. That show probably hyped him up so much. He just like yeah. went out, thought he was a Power Ranger. <laughs> yeah. Turns out he's just a murderer.
1: <laughs> he he, what, he, he tried not actually... To... He tried to embed, like he tried to buy this boat from this older couple that were trying to sell it, and so he was like, "Yeah, okay." So he brought his friend along, and he's like, "Can we just have a, uh, like, give us a ride? You know, let's test the boat out." And so they all went out, and then the two dudes, or dudes—I think it was like three dudes—he brought two of his friends with him. Then they just killed the couple Whoa! and took the boat. Yeah. Woo! The the fucking, I think it was a black Power Ranger. I can't remember. I don't mean the black skin Power Ranger, the black, you know, color, uh, the the clothes. Well, hey, man. Black clothes. In the
0: 90s, the Black Ranger was black. So... Well, maybe, no, it was a white guy, so I don't know. That's who you're talking about. But I thought the white guy was wearing the black. it's probably the White Ranger then, because the White Ranger was white. All right, it was one of those. Started out green, then became white. Oh, okay. But
1: anyways, I did watch Power Rangers, all right? I did not. Now... So I know nothing. <laughs> All right. But you have, like, the whole box set. Like, I think you still throw that on every once in a while, right?
0: Yeah, still got the game. Oh, man. Power Rangers the movie. Woo! But
1: anyways, yeah, that blows my mind. That's pretty crazy. So at the top, we have Greyhound, right? So yeah, yeah. after, yeah, yeah. after that, you know, we have what's called the Megabus bus line, which sounds super mega awesome. Yeah, that sounds pretty mega sweet,
0: actually. There's probably a thing that says, Megabus. Every time someone gets on, you know, yeah. and, and, and off, it's off, like yes. Optimus, you know,
1: <laughs> mega bus. Yeah. There's like mega a little, bus. a little Roll like water out. spritzer <laughs> <Roll out. laughs> yeah. and it's a little water spritzer and like everybody gets on and off and get a nice spritzer of water right to the face. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> That'd be terrible. <laughs> I would feel horrible for the bus driver.
0: Oh, for sure. I bet that would really start to spin his wheels, you know? Oh, dude. Like. Grinding his gears. Yeah, just really like revved him up, you know?
1: Yeah, really smashed his eggs. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. No. Anyway, (laughs) no? All right, I'll take the L. Other bus lines include Bolt Bus, Lux Bus, Vamoose, Red Coach, Jefferson Lines, Peter Pan, Flix Bus, among so many more. And Flix Bus is actually owned by the same company that owns Greyhound, Flix North America Inc., how many bus lines do you need, man? Really? Just bang bus. Bang bus. That's all you need. <laughs> Dude, that'd be awesome. Just the is just bang bus. Oh, man. And ladies and gentlemen, if you can't tell, I'm I'm like deathly ill right now. I'm like sick. Barely alive. But he's he's here, though, you guys. That's I'm the thing. here. I'm here. He's My not gonna, brain hurts. I'm burning up he's right now. He's not going to let that rain on his parade. So no, Three no. cheers. Hip, hip. I'm hooray. Fucking, I've got garlic. Jalapenos, a bunch of like throat coat tea, and uh, I don't even know, man. Cough drops. Fighting through his illness. His pills everywhere. I don't even know what they are. I'm just grabbing random stuff off the street. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But no, no, I'm just kidding. Tylenol. I'm taking some Tylenol and ibuprofen. I'm sick, though. It sucks. Yep. Anyway, today, Greyhound is going to be the location of where this tragic story takes place. A Greyhound bus. In Canada, to be exact. But before we purchase our tickets for this road trip, we must first prepare and get some very important things in order. That's absolutely
0: true, dude. Before we do anything else, all right, it's imperative that I offer to all of you, our amazing audience, three, and it's always three complimentary beverages, snacks, To make up our thrice award-winning segment, it's it's won an award three times, seriously. Three times, thrice. That's aptly named the Trey Portrait. I'm so excited for this guy. As you should be, Coop. As you should be.
1: Going the yeah. I love that show, X-Files. man. I love, dude, Twilight Zone and X-Files, man. When I was a little kid, i go to my grandma's house to be watching that oh, shit. Yeah. Freak me out dude, every time. Dude, same. Like, why do that I shit do this? would freak me out. And that's why I am the way I am today.
0: Yeah, I owe it all to that. That and uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. Robert
1: Stack's why I am yes. the way I am. Absolutely. Well, what do you have for us for these Trey Portray stories, these groundbreaking, award-winning Trey Portray stories? I
0: got some interesting ones for us today. Um, the first story posted by New York Times and this is just recently November 27th I don't know if you heard about this but Derek chauvin the police officer who was convicted of murdering George Floyd in 2020 yeah, yeah he was recently yeah. stabbed in federal prison 22 times the report says holy he fuck. did survive life-saving measures were needed to save him um
1: but yeah one of the other inmates fully stabbed him isn't that dude that's crazy Um, yeah. Okay. So I have a little bit of information on who this other inmate was. Oh yeah. 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 Um, I was able to, yeah, I was able to get some inside information here. Um, so federal prosecutors have charged a 52 year old ex gang leader in the assault on former Minneapolis police officer, Derek Chauvin, who was reportedly stabbed 22 times last week in Arizona state prison. Uh, the guy's name is John Terskak. Okay. And he was a former, yeah, he was a former member of the Mexican Mafia who served as an FBI informant. Oh, dude. He is the one who stabbed Mr. Chauvin. Okay, okay. Yes, and investigators say that Tirskak had told FBI agents that he had been thinking about it for a month of attacking Chauvin. And that it was I identified in court documents. Um, he said that he wanted to attack him because he was a high-profile inmate. And... This Turskat guy mentioned that he did the attack on Black Friday as a sort of homage to the Black Lives Matter movement and the fact that Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd. So it was kind of a reparation.
0: Exactly. Um, Which, that's crazy. Uh, Very crazy. I I don't know if that was... This guy just seems like a crazy lone wolf inmate out there not helping any particular group out he's just like you know what i'm just gonna do this thing because it it seems it seems like something i would do I mean, he's just
1: insane sounding. yeah yeah well the thing with him is he was uh, a federal he was getting paid to be an informant for the fbi since 2000 and he's been in prison since 2001 so he was doing he was working with them for many years against the mexican mafia and he was sentenced to 30 years for racketeering conspiring to commit murder in California and so what he was doing was he was the lone wolf like he was on their payroll but he was like i'm just going to do my own shit anyway and so he was going to go take out a bunch of these mexican mafia people and the feds are like no you're not and then they arrested him Jeez. put him in prison
0: yeah well it says here in the article that he was almost about to get out And now he's serving a life sentence for stabbing Derek Chauvin. for those of you who don't remember, uh, Derek Chauvin was an officer with Minneapolis police. And in 2020, he knelt on George Floyd's neck and it killed him. He was on there for nine and a half minutes, which is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely. Uh, Finally, after all of the rigmarole, the court proceedings and protests and everything, they actually did convict him.
1: um, I didn't think they were going to do it, man.
0: Mr. Floyd's right. I didn't think so either. Uh, but he was sentenced to 22 and a half years in prison. Great. Yeah. Uh, and then he was also sentenced to 21 years in federal prison for a separate federal rights case, which he pled guilty. Um, so he couldn't can't couldn't actually challenge the sentence in the end. So that's who this person is, who was stabbed 22 times. Um, and then there's actually a little blurb from the facility. Uh it says, While the facility where Mr. Chauvin was stabbed is run by federal officials, state prisons in Arizona have had problems and these problems that they're talking about are these security issues where, you know, people get stabbed or if there's other things like that. High
1: profile inmates. There's a lot of uh shortage of guards is what exactly. they too. It says
0: this year a district judge issued an injunction that required the state's corrections departments to make changes to its staffing and the conditions. Because medical and mental health services were not at constitutional standards. Fuck. So that's a separate separate issue, but also ties in because there just weren't people enough people to to manage this situation. And Chauvin was stabbed. Um, but uh, anyways, yeah, there's just there's a lot of a lot of things going on, a lot of things happening there. There's also been I don't know if you heard about this. He's not the only high profile inmate that was stabbed do you remember i don't know if you remember earlier this year lawrence nasser old larry nass oh larry nass also stabbed yeah he was stabbed multiple times in the chest and back in a federal prison in florida he's serving a 60-year sentence uh, survived yeah so anyways that's just pretty crazy yeah well i guess we'll see i guess we'll see if anything else happens to chauvin and any other fallout from the stabber but that brings us to our second story our second story for trade portray today: Henry Kissinger, the U.S. war criminal Henry Kissinger, is now dead. Dead at 100 years old, he passed away from natural causes on Wednesday, the 29th, 2023.
1: Yeah, you know he probably could have lasted a little longer, but he ran out of adrenochrome too quickly when there was just a little bit of a drought going on. Fuckface could have lasted a few more months if he just didn't just boof the baby chrome in one go, you know. <laughs>
0: Chances are high, but I think we're all grateful he's no longer lurching around Earth, causing destruction and death. So it's 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 just more of a oh yeah dude, for moment. sure
1: man. The guy was one horrible human being through and through. I'll just let me say this really quick. I, so people don't know Henry Kissinger. He was behind the Cambodia bombing, which killed five hundred thousand people. He was behind the East Timor invasion, which killed two hundred thousand people. He was behind the Chile government overthrow. Uh, The U.S. backed to uh, back Pinochet's dictatorship, which killed obviously a lot of people. Uh, He was behind the Bangladesh killings where three million people died. And he was behind Argentina's Dirty War, where 30,000 were killed and 30,000 disappeared. And he was also behind the Laos bombing, where 200,000 deaths were uh, counted. And also the Vietnam War toll, 2.5 to 3 million deaths, was pretty much because he ordered all that shit to happen. He gave the green light. He had that power.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's probably right up there with George Soros. Yeah. I mean, honestly, both both of those guys probably just ate babies like Jack and Trusty and Ladies in the Tramp, <laughs> you know, with the noodle. With the noodle. <laughs>
1: yeah. This I can see it. This is the night. Oh, yeah, Beautiful dude. Beautiful and they just lock lips at the end, and they just they can't get <laughs> off of each other.
0: Yeah, poppy skin bush and old tricky Dick Nixon, just trying to like yeah. separate them. Just like, like, get, like, off, get off of
1: him, get off of off of each other. <laughs> yeah, just can't. You get ever them see
0: off, that man. interview he gave to NBC? It was like for like 1998, George Soros.
1: Oh, uh, oh, when he flatly admitted to helping the Nazis confiscate Jewish property and assist in the genocide during World War II. Of course I have, and I have something to say about that. You know how I fucking hate the mainstream media, Scott. That's true. Yeah, you are, you're not lying. And you know how I brought attention to the fact that all these mainstream news fact checkers, such as that very pathetic one called Snopes, blatantly lie directly in the face of the truth when I brought up how Disney was selling those packages to Little St. James Island, better known as Epstein Island. But all those fact checkers, literally every single mainstream news fact checker, still lie and say that Disney was not selling those packages. And that package was called Captain Nautica's Snorkeling Expedition, which you can go see on the website still. You remember when I was, was bringing that up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, talk about black and white. Like here
0: you say no this is happening they're like no it's not and you're like no it's clearly here yeah, like look clearly you could, you could just so easily what it took you about 30 seconds to find that information exactly. out?
1: and and i brought the attention to the fact that disney was in fact selling those packages to little saint james island which anyone can just go to magicalkingdoms.com and see for themselves that that package is offered or was offered by disney and it's still listed on the website so i mean right 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 yeah exactly and so again Here with George Soros, we see the same pattern, like you mentioned. The interview he gave to some news company back in 1998, right? In that interview, he admits that he helped in the confiscation of Jewish property, and who knows what else he did there. Yet every single mainstream news fact checker claims that his story is false. They claim that he never did what he clear as day admitted to on that recorded news program, recorded with audio and visual. They just flat out say, false, false. Well, you know what? Let's just play that clip right here.
2: My understanding is is that you went out with this protector of yours who swore that you were uh, his adopted godson. Yes. yes. Went out, in fact, and helped in the confiscation of property from the Jew. That's right. I mean, that's, that sounds uh, like an experience that would send lots of people to the psychiatric couch for many many years was it difficult uh, uh, not, not, not at all not at all it, uh, maybe as a child you don't you don't see the connection uh, but it was it created no no problem at all no feeling of guilt no
1: and so there he is just openly admitting to it couldn't be happier talking about it. Yet Snopes, Newsweek, CBS, NBC, and literally every mainstream fact checker denies it. It's fucking ridiculous. And people sit back and stuff all the bullshit into their goal it like their lives depend on it.
0: Yeah. Everyone's just like, oh no, no, no way, no. So, anyways, Henry Kissinger is dead. That's all there is to that story. Moving on to our moving on to our last story here from the messenger You remember Susan Smith? Coop, that gal that she drowned her two boys in South Carolina Lake oh, 30 years yeah. ago. Yes, um, yes, yes. Apparently, she, like a lot of other high-profile female killers, has quite a few admirers. And she has one particularly adamant male admirer who has been calling in, uh, talking to this lady. Uh, and she, he actually thinks that she would be a good stepmom. Oh. And she admitted that he said I could be a good stepmom. She is serving a life sentence for the 1994 double murder of her two young sons. And, you know, I just, uh, I don't know if uh, we can say that. I don't know if that's...
1: That's touchy. That's you touchy. Know? You know, like how much time would go by, but like, man, that's a hard I one. I just
0: feel like that would give me pause. Like, oh, I don't think this woman's I think, the right I think it is. one to be stepmom and my kids. Uh, but apparently, this this guy is one of eight one of eight men that are currently vying for Smith's attention. Dang! And they're offering their assistance in the event that she's paroled in 2024 after serving 30 years for killing the two boys. Uh, they've they've all said, "Oh, we'll be there." Um, man. Currently, the Department of Corrections for South Carolina only identifies the callers by first name and last initial. Um, But I think they're kind of hooked on this sort of like love thing that's going on. Um, They're just like, whoa, that's the insight into these people's lives and how much they love this woman. So they're just letting it happen, you know?
1: So we know the old age saying in the law that, you know, once a person serves their time, they pay their debt to society, right? And things should go back to normal. But what do you say in a situation like this where a woman kills both of her children 30 years later so she does her time? I know she's getting paroled, but what if she flat out discharged her time, right? She's completely done. She's paid her debt to society, right? She did it. She paid her debt to society. But would anybody feel comfortable allowing her to have kids? I think people need to think about that. It's not
0: up to me, obviously. Constitution. It's not not up to me to decide, you know. But on a serious note, yeah, it's it could cause definitely some some court cases. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I think the ACLU would be happy to be all over it.
0: I don't think they're going to let her out, um, personally. But probably not. Yeah, just a couple of things. By the way, just a couple of things that these men are offering. One of the men offered Smith a car. Another one said that she, if she gets out, she can stay with his relatives. So he's volunteering uh, a third party. Okay. Um, and then a third gentleman talks about moving in and becoming a family. Like, hey, let's become a family.
1: I like the middle um, one. Some dude's like, you can stay at my mom's house while... I, don't, you know. Bro. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't even have his own spot. Yeah, um, But yeah, so... Smith, she's now one of the most notorious inmates, of course, in South Carolina history. She was just 22 in '94 um, when she committed this crime, and uh, yeah, she'll be up for parole November 4th, 2024. So it's going to be an interesting parole hearing. That's that's all I can say yeah. about that. But that's it. That's our third story, our third and final story for this week's Trey portrait. <laughs>
1: No. The band almost sounds like Tchaikovsky. Almost.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, Tchaikovsky's 15th. Or... Yeah, 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 definitely. Oh, Very yeah, close. I agree. Very close. Very, close.
1: Very close well, let's let's get to that story. Yes. On the evening of july thirtieth, 2008, 28-year-old Tim McLean was resting in a seat on board Greyhound bus number 1170 He was trying to catch some Z's as he traveled from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada to Winnipeg, a distance of about 1,304 kilometers, or about 810 miles, and approximately 22 hours away. He took a seat one row in front of the bathroom or toilet and sat on the inside seat next to the window. The seat next to him, the aisle seat, remained empty. And if anyone is unfamiliar with the seating arrangements in a Greyhound bus, it's basically the same as any bus. You have two rows of two seats on either side of the bus with a single aisle down the middle. Pretty standard. At the back of the bus, there's a single occupancy bathroom or toilet. And for those who have taken a good old jaunt on the Greyhound or any bus with a bathroom on it, then you know just how disgusting it can be, especially if you're sitting in the back which I have learned can either be a blessing or a curse depending on your own pros and cons. Personally, it's not for me. You know, it has worked out for me in the past because I've been
0: able to lay down across those seats because they weren't full and take a nap.
1: But, eh, that's just me. Pros and cons. You could be laying there taking a nap and someone drops the biggest deuce of their life and then you're back there with just nothing but shit particles. (laughs) That's, (laughs) You you know, I didn't think about that. That is true. Yeah, that's the pros and cons. So, uh, dude, ha- dude, have you seen those videos where it's like someone is recording someone else because they just so happen to look over and see these like, these people picking their asses and smelling their fingers? Have you seen that shit? No pun there. Just I cuss a lot. You know, unfortunately, I've
0: been my eyes have been accosted by those videos a couple times. Someone will be like, "Hey, man, check this out!" Thrust it in front of my face. You know how it is with the. Uh, yeah, uh, smartphones anymore
1: and I'm just like whoa
0: I don't need to see that come on
1: man people picking their butts and smelling it like, that's not normal behavior is it? <laughs> hey
0: man we're all humans we do human things you know we're not that far separated from the uh, from the animal kingdom it's but true. there's
1: that one video you know, of an ape just eating his own shit <laughs> so gross
0: you know, the, the thing is, it's like, just be careful when you're doing that shit in public, man. Yeah. You know, someone's going to try to film you. That's just how Someone it is. Someone anyway. will
1: film you. Like, you are, everyone's filmed, man. Exactly. Think about it. You so, just, you know, you are on people's film that you don't even know about in the background. Hundreds of people's films. You're in, di- exactly. You're digitally out there in people's fucking videos. Exactly. You ever watch that show, uh, My Strange Addiction? Pretty wild.
0: The one that gets me is the eating the mattresses. That's yeah. just so much foam. The foam, to eat. yeah. Like, whew, like that is, imp- I'm impressed, really. I I'm just, I don't even have anything except for impressed for, for that. No, oh, that lady ate mothballs. Yeah, it's A crazy.
1: Mothballs. So gnarly. But then fucking your tailpipe. That's rough. Yeah, you know, some people just love their vehicle. Very much so. And so, around 6.20 p.m., bus 1170 sat at the bus stop in Erickson, Manitoba, which is only about four hours northwest of Winnipeg, waiting for any boarding passengers. The only reported passenger that was said to have boarded the bus was a single man named Vince Wigwang Lee, and who was wearing sunglasses. 40-year-old Vince Lee would take his seat closer to the front of the bus. He too was traveling from Edmonton, Alberta to Winnipeg, also riding on the bus were 34 passengers. And just a little side note, the maximum capacity in a Greyhound bus is 55, meaning that there were 21 empty seats. The bus would depart just before 7 p.m. About one hour later, The bus would arrive in Brandon, Manitoba for a routine rest stop for some coffee, snacks, a little bit of a leg stretch. Once everyone was back on board, the bus would resume its journey with only a couple of hours remaining before they reached their destination. That is when Vince Lee decided that he wanted to switch seats. He chose to sit in the empty seat next to Tim McLean, the reason for which we will get to shortly. By all accounts, Tim didn't even really seem to notice when Vince sat next to him. Witnesses said that Tim had his headphones on as he rested his head on the window, either sleeping or trying to sleep, and didn't pay any attention to the man who just sat down next to him. But what happened next would shock all of Canada and most of the world who would pick up and carry the gruesome news headline. Now, before we go any further, let's just touch on some reported violent crime statistics in the public transportation system within the United States between 2019 and 2021, a three-year period. Now, I couldn't find only Greyhound bus statistics. All I could find were the statistics of all public transportation, but Greyhound is included. In 2019, there were 1,560 reported assaults, 211 robberies, 8 thefts, 2 vandalisms. 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 I love it. There were 16 reported rapes and also 18 reported homicides. In 2020, there were 1,036 assaults, 90 robberies, 4 thefts, 3 vandalisms, 13 rapes, and 31 homicides. In 2021, there were 1,255 assaults, 111 robberies, 34 thefts, 5 vandalisms, 5 rapes, 24 homicides. Keep in mind, these numbers are in the three years that the pandemic was in full swing. And also, Greyhound bus lines alone operate 1,700 buses, which stop at 1,700 destinations with at least 230 different stations. Each year, they drive over 5 billion miles. That's a hell of a lot of time on the road. So what about Canada? Yeah, what about Canada, man? Well, again, finding specific Greyhound statistics proved impossible, as it finding only Flixbus statistics, which is the main bus line that operates within Canada. But what I could find were some statistics on their TTC buses or the Toronto Transit Commission, which mostly operates within city boundaries. But they are just as important, right? Oh, uh, yeah, 100 percent, dude. These statistics come from between the years 2016 and 2021. Assaults take the number one spot, just as in the States. And they have far less robberies and thefts, with a total of about 75 combined. The vandalisms statistics weren't even listed, but I think it's safe to say that it was particularly low. As for rapes, they didn't have that listed either, but they did have 138 sexual assaults. And homicides. This was also not listed, but I did find numerous articles from multiple news agencies throughout Canada stating that the crime rates within the public transportation system were hella on the rise post pandemic For instance, the Canadian Free Press published an article in April of 2023 mentioning some of these crimes, including a 48-year-old man who was sitting alone at a bus stop when out of the blue, someone came up and just stabbed him in the back, did nothing else, just stabbed him and took off. Damn. That's insane. I I mean, yeah,
0: it is kind of a metaphor for life. Like, sometimes life just comes up and stabs you in the back
1: for no reason, but fuck, it sucks, man. Terrible. And in B.C., a 17-year-old kid, a boy, was stabbed to death on a bus in Surrey, this was the second serious stabbing in a two-week period on a bus in Surrey. Now, in my mind, a stabbing is a stabbing, serious or not. Yeah, absolutely, and it shouldn't be
0: like, oh, this is a serious one, this is a not so serious one. A st- stabbing is serious, no matter yeah, what. I, mean,
1: I get it. You get stabbed in some like fleshy part of your body, you don't bleed a lot, whatever. Still, you get stabbed though, in a fucking artery, still. You're bleeding profusely. I don't think we should get yeah. to a
0: place where we're treating stabbings like
1: no, they're not no. a big deal. And that's what I'm saying. All stabbing, a stabbing is a stabbing is a stabbing. Exactly. In Toronto, a woman was stabbed multiple times by a stranger but survived. The next day, a 16-year-old boy was stabbed in his chest. In a separate incident, there was a bus driver who was shot with a BB gun by a couple of asshole teenagers. Then, four days later, two employees of the transit system were chased by a crazed dude with a syringe.
0: I mean, so yeah, you're hearing this stuff and you're thinking... Okay. Yeah, this same shit happens in Canada like it does here in, yes, in the US. Exactly. Like we're not
1: so different, I guess. The Western Regional Director for the Union that represents the Metro Vancouver Transit operators, Gavin McCarrigal, said that there was a general sense of lawlessness aboard buses and that a culture shift is required to fix it. What he means by culture shift is to have more cops and security who actually rode the buses. Which sounds like a good idea, like the undercovers that fly on planes, right? And speaking of those guys or gals, have you ever seen a sky cop on a plane? I've suspected.
0: I, I'm sure we all have, right? Like Probably. people, the listeners, you guys can relate to this. Like, I'm sure we all have when you're thinking, I bet you that guy's a cop, man. I bet you. Yeah. But
1: honestly, never had it confirmed. So, anyway, Gavin went on to say that the backbone of the Canadian economy is the public transit system, which is more or less true. And he finished up with this quote, saying you don't have enough resources to make sure the passengers and the workers feel safe is like saying you're putting buses on the road with no tires, end quote. Hey, he's got
0: a point. What if a car company was like, yeah, sorry, we just don't have the resources to continue putting seatbelts in the cars. Fuck. I feel like people would probably not take that so smoothly.
1: No, no. And Calgary Chief of Police Mark Neufeld told media, quote, there has been a post-pandemic impact. He actually meant plandemic, but moving on. There has been a post-plandemic impact that I don't know that we fully understand. End quote.
0: Uh, I mean, I could see that. This guy's just Calgary chief
1: of police. You know, he's speaking the truth. There's just one little tidbit I wanted to mention before we move along. The Toronto Star published an article on April 18th, 2022, that stated the following report. Quote, an agitated man hijacked a bus on the TTC's 36 Finch West route and held the driver at knife point, forcing him to speed through red lights to take him to where, Scott? Um, uh, Burger King? It was close. He wanted to be taken to Tim Hortons. No way. It's no joke. Real life, real shit. Damn, wanted some Timbits, huh? Hijacked a bus, wanted to go get some Timbits and some Double Doubles. Do you blame him? No. Well. I don't blame him. I can't fully blame him, I
0: guess. And no, I can't. I really him. don't.
1: Drop the charges. Let that guy go. But sometimes shit's that good. God, sometimes you have to hijack a bus at knife point in order to get your goddamn 10 bits, man. I'm right there with them. Anyway, moving on. I eat the scarlet cologne. I shouldn't have put that in my mouth when I was talking. You're, you're good, bro. <laughs> so, all right. We'll bring it back to Tim McLean. Who was Tim McLean? We don't have a lot of information on him. But Tim McLean was born Timothy Richard McLean Jr. and was born on October 3rd, 1985, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, making him 22 years old at the time. Tim had been working crazy hours as a carnival barker in Edmonton, Alberta, and was on his way back home to Winnipeg by way of bus 1170. And Scott, do you know what a carnival barker does? Uh,
0: hey kid, you want some, uh, you know, some cotton candy or, Uh, Maybe an ovener? Hmm? You know? <laughs>
1: Yeah, like, that's pretty much... Yes, that's a carnival barker right there. Oh! What they do is they go around and try to get people interested in coming to the entertainment events where lots of weird things can happen, and do happen, under those large tents. He would run around doing these events and would go out to get people's attention to bring them in to the strange little world of the circus.
0: Interesting. Okay,
1: yeah, i never heard of that
0: before. Would You know, that'd be a great... Band name, though. This is an aside. That I'm is. sorry. Uh, listeners, I'm not trying to derail the discussion, but the Carnival Barkers? Are you kidding me? That's like, a great name. Sign me like up. Like
1: folk music or something? A lot of
0: uh. banjos. I-, I was thinking more uh, like uh, uh, gypsy, like g-
1: gypsy punk. Yeah, okay. You know? Okay. I'm down. I'm down. But anyway, Tim was also a really athletic and adventurous person. He really enjoyed traveling, meeting new people, and experiencing new things in life. He had a very large extended family who all adored him. His uncle, Alex McLean, said he was a, quote, little guy with a big heart, end quote. He was also a person who was easy to get along with, very friendly, and very outgoing. Family and friends would tell you that he was just someone you couldn't not like. So as I mentioned earlier, Tim was trying to get some shut-eye as he rested his head against the window at the back of the bus, the seat next to him was vacant. But after the stop in Erickson, Manitoba, Vince Lee would change seats from the front of the bus where he first sat to the empty seat next to Tim. And if you remember there were twenty one extra seats. But who was Vince Lee? Vince Lee was born on april thirtieth, nineteen sixty eight in Dandong, Liaoning, China. He graduated with a bachelor's degree in computing in nineteen ninety two and was headed in a great direction. Between nineteen ninety four and nineteen ninety eight, Vince lived and worked in Beijing as a software engineer. By June 20th, 2001, Vince had immigrated to Canada with his wife, Anna, where they'd live and work in Winnipeg. Vince would work a number of odd jobs, while Anna would hold down her job as a waitress. By 2004, he had found some work with the Grant Memorial Church for about six months doing some random construction stuff, and the church pastor who hired Vince, his name was Tim Castor, said that Vince was always an upbeat, happy guy despite the language barrier between him and pretty much everyone else, which, man, that's got to be extremely difficult, man, to endure.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, you you hear that and you think, oh, this guy
1: was, you know, he had some grit. Yeah, dude. And so Tim would say that there were some times where he felt Vince, he would become frustrated with his inability to communicate with the others. But he added that he would never show signs of anger or any sort of violence and it would be during his time of employment with the church that Vince would later tell his court psychiatrist after this incident we're talking about that he took an interest in Christianity and was baptized. Vince said that very soon after that baptism he started to hear the voice of God talking to him. And the voice of God would reportedly tell him that he was the third story of the Bible and also the second coming of Jesus whose duty it was to protect the human race from an invading alien species. Uh that's that's insane.
0: That's all I'm going to say about that. I mean he clearly had some kind of like undocumented schizophrenia. Like regardless of whether or not it was actually happening, like this guy believed that that was happening. So I'm just trying to like I'm just trying to put myself in the headspace of one who's accepting that information and just being like, yeah. "All right. It's on me then."
1: And, dude, can you imagine what he must be thinking right now with all of this, quote-unquote, alien disclosure going on? Because, I mean, dude, imagine if you were, like, in a place where you literally thought that God was telling you to save the world from an alien invasion. Okay? Right? Right. And then you go do some fucked-up shit, and some years go by, and then the government comes out saying that UFOs are, like, fucking legit. And that... (laughs) And that, you know, we even had those congressional hearings just a while back ago with the panel of ranking military guys saying, like, yeah, we have alien technology. Yes, we're not alone here. But, like, that's got to be pretty fucked up. You know, you'd be thinking about what, quote, 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 unquote, God told you back in the day, right? And, like, how could you not? And now, with all this disclosure coming out, you'd be like, I fucking knew it, man. I fucking knew it all along. Oh,
0: totally. Just... Every, like, delusion that you had been told was wrong or fighting against suddenly slides back into place and you're like, I knew it all along. Yeah, so,
1: I mean, maybe, I mean, we can't discount, I mean, what he did was really fucked. We can't, we can't let him go for that, but maybe he was on something. Maybe he was on something. So, in order to prepare for his duty to save the human race from aliens, the voice of God commanded him to travel throughout Canada, either by foot or by bus, or both, to track down aliens. This is when he got himself a big old knife, one of those big old Rambo blades for his protection and to use against the invading aliens. Later, his wife would corroborate that Vince Lee would suddenly disappear from the home without saying a word for days on end, which has got to be horrible on the marriage. So, let's fast forward to the spring of 2005. Vince would abruptly quit working at the Grant Memorial Church, which caught his boss, Tom, off guard, But Tom only wished the best for him. With his delusions ever increasing, he would be found by the Ontario police wandering around a highway just a few months later. He told the officers that God had commanded him to follow the sun, and the police officer's response was to transport Vince to the William Osler Health Center in Toronto for observation. Now, we don't know too much about how that panned out, but he would be released soon after. At some point, Vince decided that it was time to relocate himself and his wife to Edmonton in 2006. It was decided that he would head there first to try to get things in order while Anna stayed in Winnipeg and continued to work. He would pick up jobs that included being a janitor, a mechanic, a cashier at Walmart, a service position at McDonald's, and also doing some newspaper deliveries. He would actually hold down two gigs at once during this time, his Walmart job and delivery newspapers. But just four weeks before the horrible crime that unfolded aboard Greyhound bus 1170, he would be fired from Walmart after he got into some sort of altercation with another employee. I don't know the details of that, but it was clearly bad enough that he was fired for it.
0: Okay, okay. So you have like little sort of bumps in the road, right, that start to crop up. And these just like little things here and there where you're like, Yeah, little things "Hmm, are happening. This like peaceful guy who maybe there's something else going on.
1: You know. Yeah, it's nothing crazy, though. Like Nothing crazy is popping Nothing up.
0: unusual. Nope, nothing unusual yet.
1: So not long before that altercation at Walmart, Vince had requested some time off from his delivery job, saying that he needed to head back to Winnipeg for a job interview, which is quite the travel for a job interview. And as it would be on July 29th, 2008, one day before the fateful incident, Vince Lee would board a Greyhound bus bound for Winnipeg right around noon. Six hours later... Vince would get off that bus in Erickson, Manitoba with his three pieces of luggage. He would post up for the night on a bench next to a grocery store near the bus station. There would be one witness who saw him sitting on that bench at 3 a.m. looking straight up, motionless. They said his eyes were wide open, completely distant, as if staring at something completely stationary.
0: It'd be insane to You see the story come out later. You're this guy, saw him sitting there just before the altercation um and your memory i I feel like that image would haunt you right you see this guy sitting there staring straight up just eyes wide like you i feel like you would never forget that
1: ever and i don't i don't think you did
0: because if it was just some like if if it was just some you know person maybe a little bit disturbed but nothing ever came of it yeah you'd forget about it but knowing what we know now obviously looking back like whoo what a haunting
1: image In the early morning, a 15-year-old boy would approach the same bench that Vince was still sitting on. Vince would address the young boy and offer to sell him his laptop for $60. The kid thought it was a great buy, so he gave Vince the money and went about his way. And this is when Greyhound Bus 1170 would pull into the bus station for its scheduled stop. Donning a pair of sunglasses, the unassuming Vince Lee would board the bus and take a seat toward the front with other passengers. Okay, now... We know that the bus would continue its journey and make its scheduled stop in Erickson, Manitoba. We know that Vince Lee would decide to sit next to Tim McLean, who was trying to sleep as he rested his head on the window, listening to music through his headphones toward the back of the bus. So why did Vince decide to make that switch? When Vince Lee first boarded the bus, he looked around at the faces of the passengers, scanning for any potential aliens. That's when Tim McLean caught his attention, but Vince didn't react. As he took a seat near the front, because he knew that he had to stay hidden and could not bring attention to himself in order to save the human race. And while the bus continued toward Erickson, Vince was planning his attack. He decided that he would wait until the next stop, which would be in Brandon, Manitoba, and then switch seats, being as low key as possible. Still wearing his sunglasses, he made the switch and sat there as the bus continued on its course. Only moments later, Vince Lee pulled out his large hunting knife, and without emotion or change in demeanor, he just started to plunge the blade into Tim McLean's neck and chest. Tim immediately reacted to the attack and started to let out harrowing screams that would go on to haunt the witnesses as he tried to defend himself. But the onslaught of stabbing continued, and Tim had no chance. Just the initial two or three stabs deep into his unprotected neck while he was trying to sleep and before he had any idea what was happening were just too much for him to overcome. And one witness, Garnet Canton, who served five years with the Canadian Forces, gave a news interview right after the attack and would say that Tim stopped screaming after about five or six stabs in the throat. And we're going to play that interview shortly here. But Garnet was actually sitting directly in front of Vince and Tim. Immediately after Tim's screams, the passengers, who were mostly sleeping, would begin to realize what was happening, and they too began to scream. At first, Garnet, Catton thought it was a fist fight, but then started to see blood literally spray out of Tim's body and then realized that this other guy was stabbing him with a huge Rambo blade. He said that that was when he ran up to the driver, yelling for the driver to stop the bus. The bus driver, Bruce Martin, Quickly stopped the bus to open the door for the terrified passengers to escape. Vince would go on to stab Tim up to 50 times as the 34 passengers, the bus driver, Bruce, and a passing trucker, Chris Alguar, would watch the horrific scene unfold outside the bus. Garnet Catton would later remark that Vince Lee's demeanor never changed. He would say, quote, There was no rage or anything. He was like a robot stabbing the guy. End quote.
0: You know, I'll interject here, and I'll just say I feel like, well, and, you know, to be honest, I don't know how many people actually witness a murder, right? Because a lot of murders take place behind closed doors. Like, you don't see them happen. Um, This is a very public one, you know. But I, I still feel like it would be unusual to see someone without emotion committing such a heinous act right like it would just make it stand out so much more you have this person that like at least outwardly seems completely not to care about what they're doing and that is just insane it would be just like so ridiculous like just crazy to see that
1: absolutely you know? as the bus came to a halt and the panicked passengers are pouring out of the door A truck driver would notice a strange sight, and figuring that he could be of assistance, he grabbed a crowbar and a hammer and ran over to the bus. Luckily, as the bus driver stopped the bus, he also disengaged the emergency immobilizer system, which made the bus completely inoperable. Garnet, Bruce, and Chris, all armed with three various tools as weapons, would actually go back onto the bus to see if they could do anything to help. But they noticed that Vince, this crazed guy, was in the process of decapitating Tim. He would also start to gut Tim's body. And that is when he turned his attention toward the three men. Vince stood up and started to walk toward them, gaining speed. The three men quickly changed their minds and turned around to get off the bus. They barely made it out of the door, closing it on Vince. But Vince was able to get his arms out of it and was slashing at the three men with his blade as they tried to hold the door closed. Vince would give up on that attack and return to Tim's body. The three men stayed positioned in order to keep Vince from getting out, and while they were doing their thing, other people were making calls to the RCMP to alert them of the grisly scene. The time was right around 8.30 p.m. when the RCMP began to receive calls and they responded immediately. While they were mobilizing and arriving on scene, the 36 witnesses would watch as Vince continued his attack on Tim's corpse. As everyone watched, Vince went back to cutting off his head. He then held it up and carried it to the front of the bus, making sure that everyone saw it. Numerous witnesses began to vomit. Vince then dropped Tim's head like it was nothing and went back to his body, which he continued to gut. He would remove numerous organs and even eat parts of Tim McLean's body. Of course, the witnesses could not see exactly which parts he was eating, but they could see that he was removing pieces from Tim's body with the knife and eating them. He would also yell out to the police that he was going to stay on the bus forever. The police thought otherwise and began special negotiations for the next few hours, which were wholly ineffective. And by 1.30 a.m. on July 31st, 2008, Vince Lee broke out of a rear window of the bus and attempted to escape this too was wholly ineffective. Vince was quickly brought to the ground with a mighty taser and then handcuffed. And when the police did the routine pat-down for weapons or anything dangerous, they would discover that in his pockets were Tim McLean's nose, ears, and tongue. And once he was subdued, the crime scene would be investigated. The investigators were shocked to find that Tim's eyes and part of his heart could not be located indicating to police that Vince had consumed them during the standoff and negotiations. It makes you
0: wonder if, so like he got this momentum, right? I mean, by the time he had stood up and actually stabbed him, he must have, he's like, you know, there's no turning back now, right? You know, I don't even know if he had the thought or the thought would have come to his head. But the level that he escalated to, it just, uh, you have to wonder if he just like kept breaking through mental barriers like or if it was all broken to begin with right or did he pass some level of fervor destroying this body and he's like time to go to the next level like oh now i'm going to the next level just it just like what he got to is things that an ordinary person would just never think of oh yeah i'm gonna cut cut off a nose and ears and oh i'm gonna eat some eyes here you know, like
1: what? Yeah, and it makes me wonder, like, why he ate his eyes and part of his heart. Like he thought, if he thought that Tim was an alien, then the dude was thinking that he was eating alien eyes, alien heart.
0: Oh, so you're taking it back to the the mission?
1: Yeah, I mean, because he cause if thought he, he thinks, was on. Yeah, because he thinks that Tim was an alien, right? And so, why would you eat the alien's eyes and take the years, you know, I don't know, evidence f- to show people?
0: I mean, yeah, that's an interesting take on it. I
1: don't know. I just don't know, man. But after the horrific and life altering murder and cannibalism they just witnessed, some of the shocked passengers were then taken to a Walmart to replace their blood-stained clothing, which was paid for by Greyhound.
0: I mean, kudos to Greyhound for that. I guess that's the least they could have done.
1: Yeah. I mean, they could have just said, fuck you, go get your own clothes. Yeah. Vance was booked into jail where he would be given a public defender to represent him. His attorney would take the insanity route, which is notoriously difficult to accomplish. Yeah,
0: I mean, you look at what he did, though, and I feel like as an attorney, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, I don't, I know nothing about practicing law. So uh, as an attorney, you see, like, the length that this person went to during this attack, and you have to think, he's got to be a little crazy. I mean, there's got to be something there, you know?
1: And, like, Canadian, the Canadian government looks at things, I would say, uh, better than the American government. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure.
0: That would factor like, in. Like,
1: if, if this happened in the United States, I think the cops would just be like, this guy's fucking just, he's crazy, but he's not insane. He's just a fucking criminal. Sure. You know, no thought, give it to it. But up in Canada, they're like, this guy probably has a pretty big mental problem. Let's, like, diagnose him and see what we can do. But in the U.S., the insanity plea has less than 1% chance of being accepted by a judge in all criminal cases. In Canada, the statistic is exactly the same. Less than 1% of criminal defendants are successful in a not criminally responsible insanity defense. So it's incredibly hard to get. And on March 3rd, 2009, Vince Lee would make his first appearance in the courthouse for the first day of the two-day trial. While the court proceedings carried on, Vince would only say a handful of words. He'd say, just kill me.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, he knows what he did. Do you know, this doesn't strike me as a typically insane person. He's like, just kill me. Do You know, like, he's still, I feel like someone saying that, still aware that they're alive, still aware of where they're at and what they're facing. They're, he's still grounded in reality.
1: Yeah. You know, he just had some crazy episode and that
0: intrusive thought that he just followed, you know. Most people the intrusive thought comes, you push it away like, oh wow, why am I thinking that? He like followed it to its extreme end.
1: Dude, there's this video of a guy, he's I think he's like tr- teaching his girlfriend how to drive a car or something, but she gets intrusive thoughts and so she's in the in the driver's seat, she's driving, they're going pretty fast, and he's recording her. And she can watch it in her face, and she's about to just, like, jerk the wheel. And he catches it. He grabs the wheel really quick. He's like, what are you doing? What the hell are you doing? And she's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like one of those people who just, the impulsivity of that, like. You just can't not. You can't not. And you're going to end up hurting yourself or others. And, like, that's not even a thought in your head. It's crazy shit. Anyway, his own attorney would hire a psychiatrist to look him over, as would the prosecution. Both sides would agree that Vince Lee was suffering from a severe case of untreated schizophrenia at the time of the unimaginable murder, beheading, and cannibalism of Tim McLean. One of the psychiatrists would say that Vince carried out his attack because God told him directly that Tim McLean was evil and needed to be killed. They also explained how God sent him on a mission to hunt down the invading aliens, and if he didn't do as he was commanded that he would be killed himself. And since both sides were in agreement of Vince Lee's severe mental condition and both were in favor of an involuntary commitment to a mental institution in lieu of a prison sentence, because of this, the judge, John Scherfield, reviewed the case and considered a fair but just punishment for the heinous crime that the defendant had committed in front of at least 36 witnesses. On the second day of trial... Judge Scherfield would address the court and state that, quote, These grotesque acts are appalling but are suggestive of a mental disorder. End quote. He went on to say, quote, He did not appreciate the act he committed was wrong. End quote. He would rule that Vince was not in full control of his actions at the time of the murder, and upon Vince pleading guilty to a single charge of second degree murder, he would be sentenced to six years at the high-security Selkirk Mental Health Center in Manitoba. It was ruled that he would be treated and observed each year, upon which the review board would make a further determination of his potential freedom based on the progress of treatment. On May 30, 2011... The psychiatrist in charge of him would report that he was responding very well with the treatment, which consisted of group and individual behavioral therapy, accompanied with a steady regimen of olanzapine, also known by his brand name, Zyprexa, which is an atypical antipsychotic medication commonly referred to as a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, or SSRI. It is prescribed to patients that experience periods of schizophrenia, bipolar 1 disorder, and other manic or mixed episodes. What it is said to do is balance the levels of dopamine and serotonin in the brain, which regulate your thoughts, your behaviors, and your moods. And since Vince was responding well to treatment, his doctors would go on to recommend that he be granted more freedoms, which would be phased in over a handful of months. First, he was able to walk around the hospital grounds unaccompanied by staff members. On May 17, 2012, the review board would grant him temporary passes of the hospital grounds to the nearby town of Selkirk. During these trips, he would be supervised by a nurse and a peace officer. For the next two years, Vince would be what you call a model prisoner. He obeyed all the rules, was very cooperative, and raised no concerns. And because of this, on March 6, 2014, he was allowed to visit Selkirk without the supervision of anyone. First, these visits would only be about 30 minutes and over time it would be extended to full-day visits. By May 8th, 2015, he would be going to the group homes within the community, which was heavily scrutinized and opposed by those living in said community.
0: Yeah, I feel like what I'm seeing here is a lot of trust, right? I mean, more so than America would give you, for sure, I feel like. Um, I mean, they're just letting this guy who t- committed this crazy act after just a couple years like go out back into the community. I mean, there are studies that show if you treat people like criminals, they'll act like criminals. People will eventually treat or will eventually act how you treat them. And and I'm not saying he was criminally minded. You know, clearly he had some mental issues going on, but the other thing I want to say is that an SSRI is not that much of a treatment. I mean, it's what they prescribe you for depression. You know, it's basically just depression medication. Yeah. That's all it is. It's, it's not a treatment for schizophrenia. Not that we know the greatest treatments for schizophrenia, obviously. I'm not saying that. But I would definitely be a little concerned as well. Oh, absolutely. Like the people yeah. living absolutely. in said community.
1: And this is another interesting part right here. In February of 2016, while still technically considered an inmate... He was allowed to legally change his name to William Baker and simultaneously allowed to leave the group home he was in to begin living independently. And by February 10th, 2017, less than nine years later, the Manitoba Criminal Code Review Board officially ordered that Vince Lee immediately be fully discharged from his sentence. He faced absolutely no legal obligations or restrictions, which I guess includes the medication that he was taking, Zyprexa. He was a completely free man. I don't know what to say. That's insane.
0: Yeah, crazy.
1: Completely fucking free. Beat. Beheads a guy on a bus, eats part of his body, man, and he's free. Just free to walk. Yeah, man. And the review board would add, quote, It was of the opinion that the weight of evidence does not substantiate that Mr. Baker poses a significant threat to the safety of the public. And, quote. Hmm. What do you think? I mean, maybe.
0: Just seems like an extreme case to be testing that out. That's all I have to say about it.
1: And let's see. In an interview that Vince gave to Chris Somerville, who is the CEO of the Schizophrenia Society for Canada while in the mental hospital, Vince would respond to the question of, how would you know if you were getting sick again? Vince said, quote, hearing voices, stopping my medication... And starting to believe in aliens. God would not tell me to do something bad. End quote.
0: Hmm.
1: Well. Yeah, I guess
0: it's not that I don't agree with that, but it just seems like. OK. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't have anything intelligent to add to that. I just. God will not tell him to do something bad. But it's like God commanded him to get on that bus and kill aliens, which he thought Tim was an alien. So therefore, God told him to do something bad.
0: I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. Um, That in his mind, you know, like if you if you truly believe in God, then you then you believe what God stands for, which is all things that are good. I mean, that's at the crux of what a person who believes in God believes if they truly believe in God. And so maybe he sussed that out, you know, like realizing like, oh, like what he's saying is God wouldn't have told me to do that. I think that's what he's saying.
1: I th- Yeah, I think that's what he's saying, but the same time, God told him to get on that bus and kill an alien, which turned out to be Tom, Tim McLean. He listened to God's voice to do that, thinking he was doing good.
0: He was thinking he was listening to god is what he was thinking yeah but
1: he wasn't he wasn't exactly because god wasn't talking to him exactly he was talking to himself he was talking to himself
0: yes (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly right so yeah so here he is you know talking about oh well hearing voices or stopping my medication like starting to believe in aliens like okay yeah i guess those would be uh Pretty pertinent warning signs. I just don't know if that's enough. You know, I just don't know if that's enough.
1: Yeah, I think in a group guy, setting, you, it's your turn to speak or something. It's like, how are you going to know you're not doing good? Uh, Hearing voices, stopping medication, believe in aliens. Like, oh, Keep going with that, because those three things are pretty damn big. Uh, yeah, everyone in the group is like,
0: yeah, that's exactly what happened when you committed your <laughs> heinous murder that you committed gets yeah. real uncomfortable in the group, you know? Oof. People start shifting around. Like,
1: uh, uh, yeah, dude.
0: Uh, anything else? Man, sketchy.
1: <laughs> Today, though, as far as I could find, he is living in an apartment in Winnipeg, and I couldn't find if he's still married to his wife, Anna, or, or not. Ann, Anna, well, I don't know, I forget her name. But apparently, he's working and living his life. He has shown quite a lot of remorse for his actions, and this contributed greatly to the decisions of the review board. But the family of Tim McLean were confused, they were hurt, and sort of outraged by those decisions. His mother has been a huge advocate of changing some laws around so that murderers such as Vince Lee with mental disorders such as schizophrenia are not released back to the community after only a handful of years, as free as could be. This guy, who brutally murdered her son, mutilated his body and ate portions of it and beheaded him, and he served less time than people convicted of selling marijuana. He got less time than shoplifters. She has also pushed for mandatory medications such as Zyprexa in Vincent's case. So mandatory medications.
0: Yeah, and I will say that he just never would have been allowed to walk free in the United States. No, I'm going to go out there on record and say that right now. Like, There's no chance he would have gotten out. Now am I saying that that's the right treatment? No, not necessarily. I'm just saying it would have been handled extremely differently.
1: Yeah, more more like most likely. He wouldn't
0: be living on his own. Yeah, he'd probably be in a maximum security place somewhere. This guy freaked out on a bus once, beheaded someone and ate part of his body.
1: Yeah. I think he'd be you know? uh, he should be on observation for quite a while. But he's out there. But
0: Maybe he'll prove everyone wrong, and he'll be the, the guy where people say, hey, look at this guy. He ate part of a, a human once, and then he was fine. Yeah. And it'll lead to some radical change of how we deal with people like that. Who knows? I'm, I'm just saying.
1: The Manitoba Criminal Code Review Board responded to Tim McLean's mother and said, quote, we receive evidence from the accused patient's treatment team, end quote. There are experts in forensics, mental health, and other social workers who are part of this board. And they say that, quote, we weigh all the material that they have on their files, medical reports, psychiatric reports, psychologist reports, and all of that goes into the making of the decision. You know, it's not like they're just like, uh, two plus two, four. All right, you're good. Let them out.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they're, you know, they're using all of the research that they have or that is available at their disposal. I will say that.
1: Well, this is what they not are much saying clear. to us, though. Right, right. We we are not there in their offices making sure they're doing their job. Well, of right, course, but.
0: following up. Yeah, X, Y, Z.
1: Well, I don't know, man. I don't know. It seems like this guy Vince Lee, he could go off the rails at any moment. You know, that's my opinion. If he's not taking his Zyprexa, I just feel it could get pretty bad.
0: I mean, yeah, let's. I guess let's make sure he's still taking his medicine, or he'll eat someone.
1: Ah, uh, well, all right. Let's uh, let's play that first interview. Actually, actually, let's play both interviews back to back. Fuck it. So, both of these interviews are done by Canadian news companies. In both of them, the person being interviewed is the passenger that sat directly in front of Vince Lee. His name is Garnet Catton, and he does a really good job at explaining what happened inside Greyhound Bus 1170. So, here we go, and we'll play them back-to-back. So, enjoy.
2: Um, I was just reading a book. All of a sudden, I heard a guy screaming. I turned around, and the guy sitting right next beside me was standing up and stabbing another guy with a big a Rambo knife pretty much it was a big survival knife like this in the throat repeatedly 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 uh, told everybody to get off the bus everybody started to get off the bus uh, the guy stepped kill step or still kept stabbing him and stabbing him uh, everybody got off the bus me and a trucker that had stopped and the greyhound driver Uh, ran up to the door to to maybe see if the the guy was still alive or we could help or something like that and when we all got up we seen that the guy was cutting off the guy's head Uh, he was cutting off the guy's head there and he saw us he he came back to the front of the bus told the driver to shut the door Uh, he pressed the button and the door shut but it didn't shut in time and the guy was able to get his knife out and take a swipe at us so we backed off the door and uh, I ran around the back side of the bus, the bus driver took off and then we both returned to the front to see what had happened and he, he hadn't gotten off the bus, the door was still open. Uh, we shut the bus door that time and shut it, uh, it was at that point that he came he started walking to the front of the bus and he had a, the, the head in his hand and he just looked at us like this and dropped it on the ground, but totally calm. Um, the three of us had uh, weapons from the, the, truck, the trucker's truck there, and we just stayed outside while he tried to get out the door. Uh, telling him, oh, stay put, stay put, stay there. Don't, don't try to come out." Uh, he tried to get the bus working, uh, and the bus driver disabled the bus somehow in the back. I'm not sure how he did it. Uh, it was at that point I think that the police showed up and uh, kicked us off, got us to the back, the end of the bus there. How are people reacting? Uh, some people were puking. Some people were... Uh, uh, were people running? Were they screaming? Yeah, everybody was running, screaming off the bus. Like, when, when it happened, it, I think I was the first one to, to really realize what was going on and just screamed, like, stop the bus, someone's getting stabbed, everybody get the hell off. The people at the front of the bus didn't really understand what was going on, so it was it almost turned into like a trample scene there and everybody trying to get off the bus but uh, the guy he didn't care at all he wasn't concerned with anybody but the, the guy that he was stabbing what the guy look like did you get a look at him the, the, the killer yeah um he's either chinese or native that's all i can say uh six feet 200 pounds he's wearing sunglasses bald head uh he looked totally calm he didn't say a word i don't think to anybody on the bus i think he he got out and had a cigarette with one girl um, Nothing, just totally calm. The guy that he stabbed was was listening to his headphones and uh, sleeping. He didn't do anything to provoke the guy. The guy just took a knife out and stabbed him. Started stabbing like crazy and cut his head off. How are you feeling when you saw what was happening? Uh, I got sick after I saw the head thing. Um, I just wanted to help the, you know, me and the driver wanted to get the guy stuck in the bus. And uh, at that point when we saw the head, we knew that the guy was dead, so. Was, it, was he uh, sitting next to him? Did it seem like they were traveling together? Yeah, he sat right next to the guy that he, he, he killed. Were they friends? No, I don't think that they were at all. He didn't say anything when the guy got on the bus. Um, I honestly don't think that the guy knew him at all. I think he was just really crazy. So there were no words exchanged before? Nothing. No warning? Nothing. No warning. How are you feeling now? Uh, a little tired. I'm, I'm, I'm in shock still, I guess. Uh. I still feel like maybe there was something... When, when that had happened, there was uh, another kind of big guy beside me, and I told him, you know, give me a hand, maybe we can... Let, let's let's get this guy, but uh, the other guy took off, and I wasn't... You know, I feel really, really terrible for the guy that got killed. I mean, the poor guy, he didn't even see it coming, right? Uh, it's, it's terrible. Are you travelling alone? Yes. Where's all your stuff on your bags? All, all everybody's stuff's still on the bus. They, they put us here in the hotel. Uh, they just finished taking us to the police station to, to, to take all of our uh, statements. Um, we're still not sure how we're getting to our destination or uh, what's what's going on with our luggage or, or what. But uh, they're they supposedly were supposed to talk to a crisis unit here right now, and they got some food and drinks and uh, the rooms for us for tonight. Never seen anything like this before? Ever been through anything like this before? Yeah. Nothing like that. No. I've never seen somebody decapitated.
1: Was he saying anything during your time? Your Nothing. Time.
2: The guy was totally calm. And when he, when he came and he brought the, the head and he looked at us and dropped the head, it was just like, you know, like he was a, having a day at the beach. Like, he couldn't be bothered by anything else. What did you arm yourself with? You said you found something. Uh, the, the trucker had a big crowbar. I grabbed a hammer. And I'm not sure what the driver had. He must have had something otherwise he wouldn't have been there. We were all just sitting there at the door, waiting for that guy to come out. Were you a soldier right I was. Soldier? Yeah, I was. I was in the military for five years. Well, right Force? It... Yeah. What unit? San Kimar, GC, but uh, I don't want to get too oh, far into that right now. Okay. Yeah, I was a soldier. Sorry, you said what? You were an engineer? I was a combat engineer. Is that right? Yeah. You never got to Afghanistan? Did you? No. You're kind of hear the story, you know what I'm saying uh, not me, I'd say that the trucker was. Really, that guy, when he showed up I felt so much better. When, when he was there with that bar and he was bigger and uh, at that point it was like, hey, we, we got this guy. Here. Where did he come from? He, he the trucker? I believe he was driving along the road and when we had pulled over in a hurry, everybody had ran out of the bus. He had seen people running and then figured that something was going on, so he pulled over right away. And uh, so I, what he told me after was that somebody screamed at him, that he's got a knife, he's got a knife. So he went and got that bar. Where were you sitting on the bus? I was sitting just in the seat in front of the killer and the, the victim on the window. On the front of the bus, the middle of the bus? It sits right at the back, right by the toilet. The killer was right, at the, right in front of the toilet in the very last seat. Yeah. The victim screaming? Wake up? Yeah, the victim was it was a blood-curdling scream. I right? was just reading my book, and all of a sudden I heard it. It was like something... Uh, between a dog howling and a baby crying, I guess you could say it was, I don't think I, it'll be, it leave me for a while. Uh, after, I don't know, five or six stabs, I think he must have got him in the throat because we didn't hear him anymore. Is there a, a lot of blood? Yeah, there was blood everywhere. There was blood spurring. Before uh, the, 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 the bus is covered in blood. And did you we picked up the attacker, I believe it was in Brandon. I'm not sure exactly where we, we picked him up, but uh, he got on the bus. He sat in the front very calmly, somewhere in the front, put his stuff away, didn't say a word to anybody. Uh, the bus continued on for, I'd say, another half an hour, and we stopped for a cigarette break. He got out, smoked a cigarette casually. I think he talked a little bit with another girl that was there. And when he got on the bus this time, he, he came right back to the back and sat next to the victim, who was right behind me and put his things above in the the overhead there and sat down. Um, He didn't say anything to the victim. The victim was just uh, sleeping with his headphones on. He was leaning against the window, sleeping, you know, doing his own little thing. He wasn't bothering the guy. I didn't hear any words at all exchanged between the two. Uh, I didn't see the guy, the attacker, talk to anybody else but but the one girl there. So started reading my book again Uh, probably 20 minutes later all of a sudden we all heard this scream a blood curdling scream like uh, just hair raising we turned around and looked and uh, I thought it was a fist fight at first the one guy was standing up and you know there was arms were flailing and stuff like that and uh, but then I saw the guy had a big freaking Rambo knife a hunting knife and it was covered in blood and he was he just kept going at the guy it was like he was a robot though he the guy had you know he wasn't screaming at the guy or he wasn't in a rage it was just very calmly killing the guy uh, the other guy was screaming bloody murder uh, when I knew what was going on I, I ran up as close as I could to the front of the bus and screamed at the driver stop the bus hey there's somebody getting stabbed everybody get off the bus now now uh, a lot of people didn't you know understand the urgency of what was going on a lot of people were still sleeping and stuff like that so it was a big crowd at the door trying to get out while everyone's staring at this guy getting getting stabbed to death uh we eventually all got out uh moved to the back of the bus me and uh, the greyhound driver and uh a trucker that had stopped see- seeing people running out of the bus figured there was trouble he stopped and he came out with a pry bar and some other weapons i guess and uh the three of us entered the bus to, to see if-, if the victim was still alive or if there was something that we could do, what was going on in there? And uh, we saw the guy was over top of him and he was clearly cutting the guy's head off and then gutting him uh, like an animal, I don't, I don't know. Uh, so he turned around at that point and saw us looking at him. Uh, he started moving toward us. We all jumped off the bus, three of us jumped off the bus and the, the bus driver tried to shut the door, but the guy was already at the door before that and he was slashing at us. He had his hands out the door. He was trying to pry the door open and uh i was sitting there holding the door shut while this you know he's slashing at us and the the driver's trying to push the the button closed uh yeah the attacker ended up getting a good push in there and pushed back and his arm came out too far the the, both of us ran around the bus and uh came back around again we didn't want to lose sight of him so uh looked under the bus to see if his feet were there and um he wasn't there so he was still on the bus so we ran up pushed the, the 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 closed door he was stuck on the bus uh three of us sat there against the door you know waiting for him to come out he kept coming to the front and trying to, to push the buttons to to get out he he went into the the driver's seat and he had, it looked like he was starting the bus we yelled at the bus driver you know he's gonna he's gonna take off in the bus so the the bus driver disabled it somehow i'm not sure how he did it but uh, he came back and said yeah he's not going anywhere uh, at that point, we were still all guarding the door, and we watched him go back, return back to the victim. Uh, we went around to the front of the bus to see what was going on, and uh, he, that's when he, he brought the head up, and, and he came right calmly, right towards us with the knife in one hand, the head in the other. And the three of us were just standing there in shock, like, and he just calmly looked at us with sunglasses on, dropped the head in front of us. like It was no big deal.
0: So the main thing I keep thinking, right, You know, you listen to this guy talking, you hear about how they wanted to challenge him, they changed their minds. They saw what he was what he was doing and how far he was willing to go and they were like, no. The one thing I keep thinking in my mind is this light sentence that he got. It's kind of a slap in the face to these, I would call them victims, right? Like he, he subjected the people on this bus, whether he was crazy or not, um, to this scene that they didn't want to be a part of. They didn't want to see this. They didn't want to deal with this. They understood like how heinous and crazy it was. And so then to let him out after so brief of a time, I don't know. I just feel like the people that he affected, the ripple effect, right? You think about the ripple. I don't know if they were treated fairly by the court system. I don't know, you know, but I'd just be curious to to see what everyone thought. On that bus and how they feel about him getting out.
1: Um. Well, yeah, I can say this. Um. None of them are happy with it. Yeah. Um, I've read many of their, their own statements after it happened. Sure. And months after it happened, years after it happened. And they all say they're still, they are like horrifically plagued with nightmares. Because all they can hear is Tim McLean's horrible screams when he starts getting stabbed. Exactly. They say they, they hear it every fucking day. They hear it every fucking night. Some of them see a head, you know? Some of them see a fucking head. Like, when you see something like that, that shit's going to creep into your dreams, and you're going to get some weird fucked up shit going on along with it. Obviously, PTSD is huge. These All of these victims are suffering from PTSD oh, yeah. in one way or the other. Oh, yeah. Every, every one of them. I mean, they saw things that you can't unsee. No. No, dude. And just to go further with that, one of the first responding um, police officers, one of the first responding RCMP, uh, he was Corporal Ken Barker. He uh, was one of the 13 first responders, and um, he later took his life um, just due to what he saw there. Yeah, that's exactly what
0: I'm saying. Like, Yeah. The, this guy may have done well in treatment or whatever it was you know but the people that he affected they need their own treatment and i just Absolutely. feel like i just feel like the the people who made this decision really left the effect that it had on these people out of the equation that's all that's all i have to say about
1: it and as of july of 2014 in the past 10 weeks of july 17th um the 10 weeks leading up to that date 13 Canadian first responders committed suicide. Jeez,
0: that's insane.
1: Yeah, I mean, it says here, man, first responders, PTSD is all too common. They're burdened with confronting horrific crime scenes and accidents, and they suffer psychologically for that shit, man. You know, you start going inward, you start coping with drinking and doing other shit, drugs. And it usually turns to suicide. Of course. It says here an estimated 24% of first responders suffer from PTSD. Yeah. And a... I, wanted to be, I wanted to be a first responder. I wanted to be a, an emergency nurse guy for a long time.
0: Yeah, well, this is certainly uh, one of those cases that affects you for the rest of your life. I mean, it's a rough story, dude. Rough story.
1: It's horrible. It's a horrible story. So many people were, were affected, dude. Just firsthand, you know. But, man, but Garnet Catton, man, he was ready to take Vince down, though. He was like, come on, boys, let's go. Let's get him. Come on, grab your weapons. Let's go. Yeah, he, uh, that,
0: I will say that that demonstrates quite a bit of bravery in that moment. Not everybody would be willing to get up on that bus with that dude while he's up there. <laughs> oh, no. Doing what he was doing. I mean, that's pretty insane. Fuck.
1: Oh, and there was another couple. It was a dude and a girl who were sitting right next to him, to Vince and Tim. And when it started happening, the guy, he got up because he's in the seat. He just booked it. He booked to the front. And his wife was like frozen in fear. She was just staring at it and frozen like, oh, my God, she wasn't moving. So he fucking ran back to her and grabbed her. But that whole time, dude, Vince was just hyper focused on fucking uh, temp.
0: I can tell you 100% that I couldn't have left my wife. But that's, that's just me.
1: Well, he thought she was going to run after him. You know, But she was just like frozen in fear. It's like, God, I can't be safe in a grocery store now. I can't be safe on a Greyhound. I well, can be safe walking down the road.
0: Yeah, we're, we're all in it together at least.
1: That's true, that's true. That is true, man. Well, like, like you said, man, this is a rough story. It's a rough, rough story. Yep, definitely was up there. Well, it's been fun. We had a fantastic time here today telling a horrific tale.
0: You know, for the listeners, on a serious note, the the stories are terrible but we enjoy spreading knowledge i mean we're not trying to affect everyone in the same way you know but if you're if you're here if you're tuned in we figured you like learning about this kind of stuff so we're yeah. here to tell you and we enjoy telling you we that's, do that's that's what we mean by that
1: because we do this because we like learning about these things ourselves and exactly and, yeah, there are a million pod shows out there that talk about these things. But we try to find the cases that aren't talked about enough or at all. Exactly. That's the ones we try to go for. And, obviously, we're going to cover cases people cover all the time. That's just, that's just the life of a podcast. But, you know what? We come here into whatever studio Dale brings us to, and we fucking give our A-game for you guys. Like, we try. Even sick or not, man, sick or not, we're here.
0: That's right. That's right. Another three cheers for Coop yeah. being here Fever of 300.
1: I swear. Hip, man.
0: hip. Hooray.
1: Fucking fever is high right now, man. Yeah, I literally
0: good sh- job, bro. Like I
1: told you, man, I fucking went on to the toilet. I literally just opened my sphincter and it was literally like <laughs> dropping a glass of water, just emptying a glass of water out. Really, oh my God. Yo, what is happening to me right now? I am on a full diet of only jalapenos, garlic, tea, and coffee, uh, vitamin C. And, and uh, I haven't had any coffee in the past two days.
0: Well, good for you, man. Maybe that um, maybe that's your problem.
1: I know. I think I might have to get some coffee. Totally. Yeah, ladies totally. and gentlemen, man, we're here for you like, you know what? We just hope you like the show. We hope you like the content and we're going to be we're going to be expanding the content here shortly. I think in the coming weeks we're going to be touching on a lot of conspiracy like, you know, truth conspiracy. Um just a bunch of stuff. we go down some rabbit holes good stuff have some fun times
0: yeah you know we we try to keep it up we try to change it up we got some different stuff lined up coming down the pipe for you guys just you know just so we can keep it interesting um but yeah you can guarantee that we'll be here every week hanging out with you and telling more stories
1: love it i can say one thing i'm sorry eating garlic right now um fans like the suit the weird suicide episodes fans really like that shit the weird ways people commit suicide sure people love that shit so ladies and gentlemen we'll get more of those going for you they're always interesting yeah oh i was gonna ask you scott how's the vabbing going <laughs> yeah um i gotta
0: say it's not working at all <laughs> so shit. whoever suggested that it would work well fuck them because it really isn't so that's all i have to say about that
1: all right you heard it dudes don't don't vab.
0: Don't do it. Women doesn't do shit. Don't
1: vab either. But definitely men don't vab. That's gross. Well, everyone, we love to have you here with us today. Getting through these trying times, you're all the best to us. Please subscribe to the show immediately. Please, please. Oh, and please, and also please, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your kids, tell your dog. Subscribe to the Paranautica podcast. Go out, make a scene, and get people to listen to the show. We're talking tell
0: everyone that you pass in the streets, right? Tell everyone in line at the bank, the grocery store, gym, in the shower. I hope you tell, I hope you see people in the shower all the time. Tell them. Tell everyone at the salon, the barber, the auto mechanic, the dentist, office bars, arcades, nursing homes, emergency rooms. People, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter where. Just tell it doesn't them. Doesn't matter so where. So get out there, folks, and don't forget to tag all your friends and family. On Twitter and
1: Facebook, wherever we post new episodes. This helps us out a
0: lot, man. I'm telling you, it does. I'm not lying.
1: He's not lying. It does. He's not fucking lying. And you can also email us at paranautica at gmail.com. That's P A R A N A U G H T I C A dot com. <sighs> Text us, email us, visit us, write us reviews, give us five star ratings, give us great fucking all that good stuff. And until next week,
0: toodaloo. Toodaloo.